Hi, this is Kimberly McKay with A Novel Thought. Today I'm talking to Brad Heath, who has a diverse background in publishing to broadcasting, but the reason I wanted to bring Brad on was because of his military background and his unusual path with his career, and what he's doing to honor other vets. Brad, welcome. Thanks, Kim. Glad to be here. Yeah. So tell me about your unusual journey as you became active military for the second time. What spurred you on to make that choice? What did you have to do to make it in? I imagine a man in his 40s, that would have been pretty tough. Oh, my goodness. Tough is probably not the right word. It was extremely difficult, but very rewarding. You know, as military brats, we always have this connection to the armed forces. My father was a Marine for 21 years. So I kind of grew up always knowing that the military was going to be a part of life. I just didn't know how. And as I got older, graduated from high school, I made the decision to go into the Air Force. I felt like I just spent, you know, 18 years in the Marine Corps myself. So the Air Force was kind of my calling, and that's the direction I went. And uh, I did that, was active duty for a while. And then, uh, like a lot of people, you know, I did not decide to make it a career at that time. And I got out and pursued other ventures. And then when I hit 45, a friend of mine who had stuck it out, did everything right, did the 20-year career. He was getting ready to retire. And I would periodically talk with him or we would go to lunch. And I just told him one day on the phone, I said, you know, I'm so proud of you because you've had a great career and now you get to retire. And he said, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 45. And he goes, you know, if you can get your 20 years before you're 60, you can still go back. And I thought, no, there's there's no way that that's right. And going back wasn't going back to active duty. It was going into the Air National Guard, which is a branch of the Air Force. You know, it's a state-run military. And, and I looked into it. I called a recruiter, just like I was 18 years old again. And he confirmed it. He said, yes, you can you can come back. Now you've got to go through some of those preliminary steps like you did the first time. And once you pass that and they give you the A-OK, then you can come in and you can, you can re-enlist. So at 45 years old, I went on this journey to get in shape, drop a bunch of weight, and go through those early steps that every recruit has to go through. Luckily, they didn't make me repeat basic training, so that was great. <laughs> but, but at 46, I re-enlisted into the Air National Guard, and I'm still serving today. Wow. Well, you touched on Marine Corps. We just celebrated a Marine Corps birthday on the 10th of November, and then Veterans Day on the 11th. I wanted to have you on last week, but with the ice storms in Oklahoma, everything got kind of pushed back. So first of all, thank you for your service and your family service. Talk to me about what you've done recently to honor a local Tulsa vet. Oh, sure. So Oscar Nips Jr. is a local guy here in the Tulsa area. He's a World War II veteran. He is a full-time docent at the Military History Center and Museum, uh, which is in a suburb of Tulsa in a place called Broken Arrow. And he's been a resident there his entire life, basically. When World War II broke out, he had quit school, was helping the family with the farm, and was just one of many who decided, I'm, I'm going to enlist and go fight. And that's what he did. And so he enlisted into the Army, was 1st Cav. He was a rifleman there with the 1st Cavalry, and, and he fought mainly in the Pacific. He was in New Guinea. Uh, he helped liberate the Philippines. He fought at Leyte, which was some really tough, you know, it was hand-to-hand at some point. Um, fought in Manila. He helped liberate Santo Tomas, which had over 3,000 internees there. A lot of them were American citizens. They were just, they were students who were just kind of trapped on the island of the Philippines. And he's been such an important piece at the museum. I'm a board member there, which is how I got to know Oscar. We call him Junior. 
just hearing his story, and you know, a lot of these veterans who saw war like he saw don't tend to talk about it too much. And every now and then he would give me a little tidbit here or there. And I think he kind of took to me a little bit because, you know, I'm not a really big guy. I'm 5'7", and he's about 5'6", and, you know, we have this military connection. And so I would help him in and out of the uh, museum when I saw him. So we just kind of built this friendship. And over time, he started telling me some things that he would do. And I was just so impressed with him and the way he lived his life and the way he's still living his life. And one day he told me that his biggest regret, now imagine this, this is a guy who's raised a family, fought in World War II, He's done so much in his life, and his biggest regret was that he never graduated high school. And, you know, as someone who has gone through an educational process my entire life, I feel like I'm always taking a class somewhere. I was just blown away that that's the one thing that this guy wanted to accomplish and didn't. So I made a few phone calls, and I happened to know the head football coach of that school. I happened to be a graduate of that school. I know the superintendent, and I said, is there something we can do here? You know, 2020 has been just one heck of a year, and it's really kind of kicked everybody in the teeth. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just been tough. And I thought this was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I thought, you know, if we could do something special and something nice for Junior, that would be amazing. And once I got the head coach on board, David Alexander, he was like, man, we got to make this happen. And then we got the administration involved, and before I knew it, there was news reporters, and it was being picked up in New York and just all over the world. And when the pandemic really hit hard uh, around May, June, they were going to cancel the graduation ceremony. So what they decided to do was they made Oscar Jr. Nips a graduate of the class of 2020. So he's 96-year-old oh. member of the class. And then eventually what was great was that in late June, they decided – we can have a graduation ceremony if we do it outside. So that's what they did. And early on, during Dr. Dunlap's speech, as the ceremony opened, they brought Oscar in a golf cart up the middle of all of the graduates. He got a standing ovation. He got his high school diploma. And it's official. It's legit. And it was just an amazing moment. And his family was there to see it. Uh, his son, who was chief of the fire department, was there. And he had grandkids there. And so it was just a wonderful moment for him and his family. And, you know, for me, it was just a little something, just a phone call yeah, that, that, cool. that I could give back to this guy, you know. And, and it, was just a, it was just a great moment in a year that's been full of not so great moments. And that's the best way to explain how giving is the best way to receive. How rewarding must that have been for you? Well, you know, I tell people all the time when I'm asked about it, why did you do it? What, you know, what was the, what were you going to get out of it? I've had a couple of uh, friends who... You know, they're so wrapped up in their business and what they're doing, and they're so busy. And, and I said, look, you got to take time. Stop what you're doing sometimes. Look at what's going on around you. Recognize where and when you can help out and take advantage of it because I got more out of that for me personally than any interview about it I've done, than any article that's been written where I mentioned New York Times or whatever. I've gotten more out of just seeing him receive that high school diploma and his family's reaction to it, I don't need credit for it. They could leave me completely out of it. I just enjoyed seeing him experience that at 96 years old 
you know, what a way to honor a guy who's sacrificed so much. Oh, absolutely. I had a guest on in October. His name is Steve Harper. And his big concept is the power of connectivity points and what one person can do to change lives and to help others. And all you did, and he talks about this, just making one phone call can be the biggest difference in one person's life. And you're a prime example of that, my friend. I love that you not only have a servant heart, but you have a heart for the military and you took this man's biggest regret and you made it his biggest reward and your biggest reward probably of this man's life. So thank you for oh, that. Oh, no doubt. And Oh, absolutely. And I tell you, Steve's right. It is just one phone call sometimes. It's just one text. It's just one conversation that can change someone's life. You never know the impact you're going to have unless you reach out and you touch someone. And that's exactly what I think uh, that, that ripple effect that Steve is talking about. I, I think that's exactly what it is because that's going to be a generational thing for his family. I will be long forgotten in the mix, and that's fine with me. A hundred years from now, when somebody's digging in their family tree, they're going to come across that. And I think that's uh, just an incredible thing for him and his family to share. You know, it, it was sad, too, because shortly before the ceremony, he had actually lost one of his children. You know, they were, I think, in their 50s, maybe a little older than that. And so it was a very tough time for them in that moment where they got to kind of be in the moment of Junior's graduation was really refreshing for them. And it really gave them an opportunity to just kind of breathe and just enjoy something else than what was going on around them. And so, it gave them you know, a bright you spot. never know. That's right. And you never know the circumstances that people are dealing with around them in their lives. And, and that one phone call might be the difference for someone. And you talked about how you may not never be remembered. And I understand that you're doing it for the greater good and you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart. But I got to tell you, Brad, you're not someone that's easily forgotten. And I'm going to touch on our backstory just a little bit because some of you may have guests that are listening. I have a handful of people that I talk to that are from my college or my high school in Okinawa. Brad and I both attended Kubasaki High School, but our paths really didn't cross there. Way before Facebook, there was this high school alumni yearbook site. I can't remember the exact name of it, but Brad and I are both active on it. I knew his name and I saw his strides to connect people and have that heartfelt connection. When you're a military brats, the ties that bind you when you have attended the same school, even if not at the same time, like Brad and I, they're strong. So about, I would say 16 years ago, I was at some random dirt track in the middle of nowhere, taking photographs of my nephew during his dirt bike phase when this guy walks up and he's like, hey, if you get any good pictures, I'd love to have some copies. And he hands me his card and I stick it in my pocket. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. A few minutes later, I look at it and I saw his name, Brad Heath. And I was taken aback because it's not a common last name. It's usually someone's first name. And he looked to be about my age, and it was the same name as this guy on the site that had been trying to connect Kubasaki alumni. So I wove through the crowd, and I found him a few minutes later and asked, hey, are you the same Brad Heath that attended Kubasaki High School? And I'll never forget, you kind of just gave me a look like, what the, I mean, talk about random connections. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, do I remember it? I, I think I've told the story 50 times to different people. Yeah. So I had started a new publication and motorsports in general are really big across the country. And we were trying to franchise this idea and get it all over the place. And when you're at the ground level and you're at the grassroots of the start of something, you got to go put in the work yourself. And I had decided I'm going to hit a few places. Every place has someone taking photos. I'll give them my card and say, hey, look, I might be able to publish you. Right. Right. I might be able to publish your work. So shoot me an email. Let's connect or whatever. 
And where you were getting my name was there was this really long and big email thread that was going on with a lot of people. And I think you and I were both on it. And like you said, there was another website for, for alumni. And so we were kind of crossing paths there. But our paths really never crossed in Japan because as I was leaving, you were coming in. Right. And so that was the difference. But when you say in the middle of nowhere, that's an understatement. It is literally like you have to drive dirt roads and this place is big and it's and there's really no like normal places to stand and walk and go. And so so I said, there's someone with a camera. Let me go give her my card. And I don't think you had to run me down too far because I think I was maybe about 10 paces away from you. Yeah. And you yelled at me and I turned around. And when you said that, my jaw hit the ground because I couldn't believe here we are in the middle of the United States and you somehow know me. And it's like, how did this happen? You know? And so that kind of struck up a great friendship over the years. And it really is random, but it just shows you how small the planet is and how many connections you can make. You know, they say we're, what, six degrees separated from knowing everyone or something like that. I mean, it truly it truly does hit home when something like that happens to you. And in Oklahoma, it's really more like three degrees, <laughs> I gotta say. Right, right, <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. It really does. And it's cool because it just brings back the concept that makes me think never burn a bridge. For anyone that's ever graduating from college out there, um, never burn a bridge because you never know who's going to end up being your boss at another job because they've left and now you're interviewing for a second one. So always be kind, always be respectful, and never burn a bridge. No, you're right. And one of the guests that you've had on before, Toby Rowland, his sideline reporter is Chris Plank, one of them. Chris Plank was a radio host here in Tulsa. And Chris really gave me my first start in radio. Wow. Uh, he, he gave me a job doing a scoreboard show from 10 to midnight on Friday nights for uh, high school football. And so I've known Chris forever, and Chris works for Toby, and you know Toby. So it's all kind of interconnected in these mysterious ways. But you're right. I mean, you never want to burn a bridge. You always want to try and keep those contacts and keep friendships going and because you never know when it's going to pay off somewhere. Right. And so you touched on Vipe a little bit. So let's go there. I know you have a passion for sports. You started Vipe magazine in honor of local high school athletes. Tell me how that's going and how it led to broadcasting. So Vipe magazine originally started as high school sports, the magazine, pretty generic, right? You couldn't get more generic than that. So when we started to trademark things and franchise this business across the country, we needed to come up with a name we could trademark. And Vipe is what we came up with. It's really varsity and hype put together. There you get Vipe. And we just kind of took off from there. So one of our publishers, who's now a congressman, uh, he no longer has anything to do with us, but uh, not because he doesn't want to. But I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still friends. And he's actually a mentor of uh, most of us here. But we took a concept, just an idea. And none of us had any publishing experience whatsoever. And we just thought, you know, there's a big market for this. There's a niche for this. People love it. Could we make this work? And I actually left a career at American Airlines, which a lot of people don't do, to take this over and to start doing this and just kind of jumped in with both feet. And we've been going for 20 years and we've seen some changes in the industry, whether it's print magazine or newspaper or books, you know, there's changes everywhere. And we've adapted to those changes. We've kind of morphed into what we are today. It used to be that our print drove what we did online. Now our online drives what we do in print, so it's kind of a role reversal. But we've been able to franchise this thing out. There's Vite magazines all over the country. There's, there's a big web presence. 
And it's been fun. You know, it's not really work. They say you don't work if you love what you do. And I have many, many interests. You know, Vite Magazine and High School Sports is just one of them. I wish I could clone myself two or three times so I could go do all those other things that I want to do. But it's been great, and Oklahoma's been great to us. There's magazines in Kansas, Arkansas, Texas. We've got them up in Indiana. They're all over the place, and it's only growing and getting bigger. You wish you could clone yourself, and I'm sure you do, because I know you have tons of interests. For anyone that's listening that might be a Kubasaki member, I get inquiries just from posting that one coin you did. Kubasaki, these metal coins, just like the challenge coins in the military, you took that concept and you flipped it and you made it Kubasaki coin, and I posted it, and I have like, if not like 20 by 30 a day here and there saying, where'd you get the coin? And for anyone listening from Kubasaki, this is the guy you need to contact. You've taken that and you've modeled it after different schools, correct? Yeah, we have done that. And really, this was just one of those things that just kind of happened. You know, I'm, I'm always looking for Kubasaki-related stuff, you know, T-shirts and, you know, whatever else. And my kids and wife typically like to find something, you know, every year to give it to me for Christmas or birthday or whatever. And so I'm always looking. And, and I never could find a challenge coin based on Kubasaki High School in Okinawa, Japan. And, you know, I just kind of thought to myself, well, what if I made one and it really just kind of made it for myself? Well, the problem with that is that any manufacturer you go to, you know, you don't have the equipment and the machinery to do it yourself. So you go to someone and they want, you know, well, you got to make 500 of them or something. And it's like, well, I don't want to do that. I just, I just want one, you know. And so it grew into posting a mock of what the coin would look like and just to see if anybody else would want one not really trying to profit big off of this thing i just want you know expenses covered and and everything else and before i knew it in probably two days i'd sold a hundred of them and it just took off like crazy and it's still going and in fact the high school kubasaki has reached out to me they want one for every senior in the class of 2021 so we're now putting those in production and we're going to make those. It's really just a blessing because, honestly, someone else was looking out for me with that one. I can't take any credit for it because it was just really just an idea. And, you know, the Kubasaki alumni base is full of just caring people. You know, military brats tend to be more uh, well-rounded than just, just the love that they have for one another and just the connection. I think is what helps make something like this go. We have branched out to other schools. We've reached out to other schools, to see if they would be interested. And most are, some aren't, but that's okay. You know, this is something that we're doing on the side and it's fun. And uh, yeah, I'm so happy that, you know, when people get it, they email me back or they message me back and they say, Oh my God, I love this thing. I love it. I'm going to give it as a gift. Or I'm going to get another one for my brother who was class of 77 or, you know, whatever. And so it's really cross-generational. It's been a great experience. After putting this out there, you know, it's it's just been great to have this opportunity to provide this to everyone and to meet everyone who also has a love for Kubasaki. Our 30th reunion is coming up. It's actually our 31st, but because of 2020, we were supposed to have it this last July in Nashville for our 30th for the class of 1990. And because of COVID, we had to cancel. And that was a headache in itself, having to get all the contracts moved. This coming July, it'll be the class of 1991's 30th. So we're kind of making it more of an open class. And are you planning on coming? Yeah. So when I left Okinawa, Japan, in Kubasaki High School, I did four other high schools in four years. Every single one of them, I've got people inviting me back to the 30th year reunion <laughs> because I because I did I basically did five schools in 
four years, you yeah. know, military brat. That's the military life. And I've had to kind of pick and choose what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go. I would love to get to Nashville. Phil, I think it would be fantastic. It's just fun to see all these different groups that are coming together. And now even like Kadena, the Air Force rivals, so to speak, um, they're going to be in Nashville this summer, too. So it'll be fun to see some of our Kadena friends. And I think it just shows you the impact the school had and the island had on the lives of the people who were there. It, it truly is a special place. You're in a foreign country. I get it. You know, it's a military life. You're living on a base. There's just so many things that are different about that way of life, and it does leave an impact, a, a lasting impact, I think. And I come across uh, uh, people all the time who, even though they were part of a different class or they were you know, there at different times than I was, we have a lot of the same memories and the same things that we did while we were there. And so there's so much that you have in common, and it's really a, it's just a big melting pot. I mean, if you think back to how many different people, you know, different places where they were from, even different countries. It really is like this gigantic melting pot. And you've got great staff and great coaches and great people around. You know, for me, that's what kind of put me on my path, I think, to where I am today. Because without that, I don't know that I would be as open as I am, as caring, you know, towards other people as I am. Because that's something that, that I learned there. You know, people from different cultures and different backgrounds, and you're, you're, you're open to, to what they believe and to what they have going on in their lives. And so I had friends from the Philippines. I had friends from Japan. I had friends from El Salvador. You know, we were all there kind of in the same boat because we all had our parents who were in the military, but we were all different. And I got to see how they lived. When I went to their house, they saw how I lived. It kind of opened your eyes. And I think that's a lasting impact, which is why 30 years later, in some classes, 50, 60 years later, they are still trying to get together to yeah. rekindle those friendships. It's a brotherhood and a sisterhood for sure. And the only thing I think that civilians could understand relating it to is maybe like a sorority or a fraternity. The military bond is one that is just immeasurable, but that's probably the only thing I could compare it to. Yeah, but they never had to run behind Miss Hopper in gym class <laughs> when... When you did something wrong and she would get in her car and drive through the face through the neighborhood there and you had to jog behind her car. So, you know, that's a bonding experience right there. You have to deal with Miss Hopper. I mean, you come together. You're right. That, those are your brothers and sisters in arms because, you know, she was going to get the most out of you for sure. I never had to do that, but I definitely heard about it. That's amazing. Anyways. I had Miss, just, just real quick, I had Mr. Steele. Did you ever have Mr. Steele? Yes. For history? Yes. And he... I mean, we, we butted heads immediately. Yeah. But then, like, by the time I was done, he was, like, one of my favorite guys. I was like, I, I'd just walk down the hallway just to go yell through his door, Mr. Steele, you know, yeah. just to mess with him a little bit. And, and, and eventually him and his wife was fantastic. She taught typing, of all things. Imagine that. We sat in front of typewriters. I know, uh, for right? For those of you who are, who are too young to know that. But, yeah, I mean, it was just a great place, great school. I loved every minute of it, even though I was sometimes a – bit of a troublemaker I, I got to admit even though my dad was a marine I get it I did like to cut up a little bit I did like to have fun and you know when you realize that people are going to laugh at what you say in class oh yeah it, it's addicting like you have to like continue that so 
you know, I was kind of that way. But uh, no, I enjoyed it. It was great. I'm so appreciative of your time today. Is there anything that you would like to pass on to anyone thinking about a, a career in the military? That's my last question for you. Sure thing. So if you are considering service, and that's what it is, it truly is service related. A couple of things. Do your research. Know what you want to do before you go sign up. Know what kind of job or field you want to work in and keep pushing and pressing until you can get that. You might have to go test a few times to get the score high enough to secure that job, but know what you want to do and investigate all the branches. Don't just stick on one. Investigate all of them and know what you're getting into. And the other thing is once you get in, find a mentor, someone who you can lean on, who you can talk to. You're going to be at multiple bases. You're going to be doing different things all the time. Find someone that you can always call, text, email, whatever it is, so that you can get some advice on your military career, and that will help you moving forward. Because if you don't, you kind of get lost in everything, and it's such a big, you know, if you, if you were to look at the military as a company, it's a giant company. At some point, you can become just a number. And you want to separate yourself, but you want to get the advice from someone who has done that, who has been there, who can tell you what are the pitfalls of what you're about to do and give you advice on how to get through it. Being away from home can be tough. And for a lot of these younger soldiers who just enlist, they're away from home for the first time. I was always told by my dad and and other people, no matter where you go, it's what you make it. You can make it as great as you want it to be, or you can make it as bad as you want it to be. So wherever you go, you need to get out, mingle with the locals, get yourself immersed into, you know, the local traditions and what's going on where you're at. I don't care if it's stateside or overseas. Embrace the change. Know that it's temporary and just enjoy it. Try to have fun. You're going to come across people that you don't get along with. Maybe you get a bad boss or maybe you get a, a place that's not so great. But again, find activities, find things to do, make it what you want it to be. And don't get down about it. Don't get upset with it. Just roll with it. You're going to have a long career. It's going to be great. And you'll have such a better time if you take that approach than if you just go, oh, my gosh, I got to go to I got to go to Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I mean, what? That just sounds horrible. Trust me, you'll have fun. Make it your own and enjoy it. And find a, find a good mentor is the number one thing. Yeah. Well, Tinker's better than Lawton. I'll just say that. <laughs> Yeah, or Altus. Or Altus. I do have one last thing to talk. I thought it was the last question. I have one more, I promise. I have always thought about doing some kind of documentary, and maybe that's why I'm doing the podcast, because I feel like so many Kubasaki people have such great stories, so maybe the podcast will suffice. But I've always thought about doing some kind of doc on different people from that island during those years and what they've gone on and done. Because we have people like yourself. We've got people like John Schwab, who's going on and starring in The Queen's Gambit um, on Netflix, for goodness sakes. We have gold medal athletes like Kristen Armstrong. We've got leaders in the military. We've, we've got all kinds of people that have done some great things. And the thing, I think, where they got their initiative and their drive is that base on Okinawa and the kind of environment that we had there that cultivated those type of temperaments, personalities, and drives. No, I think it's a great idea. I think I think it's a story that resonates with a lot of people, and I think it's one that should be told. You know, as a soldier, I know a lot of the attention gets focused on us, but I'm here to tell you, and you know this, Kim, as a dependent, you serve as well. In some form or fashion, you're serving as well, whether it's because you live on a military base or because your, your mother or father is 
is deployed and they're gone somewhere and you go six months without seeing them or you go a year. The story of the military brat is definitely something that, that I think can be told. And you mentioned, you mentioned all these great people. You know, I, I look at a guy like John Schwab, you know, you mentioned him, his success in his industry inspires me. I don't work in his industry and all of us would love to, but knowing where he came from and knowing, and I really didn't know John very well. I know you did very well, but knowing that we walk the same halls is inspiring to me because if, if he can make it, then I know I can make it in something that I'm doing because he came from the same place I came from. When, when you have those connections and you have inspiration like that, that's all around you, you can't help but try and be successful. You know, it's, I listened to his podcast with you and I was struck by something that he said, which was he's been in this business for a long time but yet he's at a table read with three Oscar winners. And so those, that little bit of insecurity creeps in, like, am I good enough to be here? And then he gets a director telling him, you know, look, you are good enough to be here. Do what you do, and it'll be good enough. And I think a lot of times the stuff that we hold back on is just internal, and it's something inside of us telling us that we're not good enough when we really are. Seeing his success and knowing where he came from as a military brat and knowing that we've got all kinds of people out there, probably stories, Kim, that we don't even know about yet, I think are, are, are just so inspiring. And I think other school systems, other parents, I think you can look at how these kids are raised and you can begin to understand why they're successful. I think you and I need to come up with some kind of joint venture on this because it's something that's been in the back of my mind for a good 15 years. And I see so many people trying to do movies. Like there's some movie out now about military brats, and it's told from somebody's point of view who's not even a military brat, and it's so off topic and skewed, and it doesn't even paint us in the right light. So I think it's going to take someone like you or I to sit down and go, okay, here's what we need to do. Right. I agree with you. I would be more than happy to help collaborate. You know, my IMDB page is blank right now. So I'm all about getting something put on it. You know, I, I was an extra in two movies, Kim. So that's got to give me some credibility somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Well, we can hook you and John and a couple of other people in and maybe we can get something like this rolling. Let's do it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I think that you have a very valuable story to tell. And will you please pass on to Oscar that we all really appreciate his service and sometime when I'm in Tulsa, whenever COVID is finally pushed out of our lives, I would love to meet him. Well, I know that they would love to host you there at the museum. I know that Oscar would probably love to meet you as well. And, and anytime, you know, my door is always open. Anything you need, I'm here for you. Same here, Brad. I really appreciate it. Tell Kat I said hi, okay? I sure will. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Kimberly McKay with Brad Heath on A Novel Thought. We appreciate your time. Tune in next week, and we'll have another novel guest. 